Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee, and this is our last, or second to last maybe, of summer shows. Uh, I'm Double D, I'm joined by Evan Harrington and Tanner over the phone because he's back from Mexico! Ooh, great to be back. I, like I said, I posted on Twitter earlier today, you know, Double D said I was out in Mexico eating tacos, but there's no amount of tacos that can replace, you know, talking some Buffalo Bills football on the Blitz. So while it was cool and all, you know, being in Mexico, you know, I got to, uh, zip line and have little uh, scarlet macaws and capuchin monkeys crawl on me and Roatan and I got to swim with dolphins in Cozumel. There's no place I'd rather be than doing the blitz right now. So welcome back, boys. Well, first of all, you know, Tanner, welcome back. We're and better so- than dolphins? I, I guess. Oh, no question, of I, course. Bills wow. over dolphins any day. I guess, and you know, Tanner, you got the, the you got you got the word tan in your name. What's the tan looking like, you know, from you know, coming back from Mexico? <laughs> it's funny you ask that because my skin only has two complexions: my normal white and red. There's no in between. I don't so, tan. I burn. You can't get that nice, golden, you know, that golden crisp going, or what do you got? I mean, I'm, I'm, it's somewhere in between, like red and tan, right now, because it's had a, uh, it's had a couple days to, uh, to kind of. Uh, the sunburn is at a couple days to kind of subside. So it's starting to turn brown, but uh, yeah, I mostly burn. I don't really tan. Like, I'm starting to get some serious peelage on my shoulders now, and pretty much my whole body got burned. The last day we were on the boat, pretty much uh, I sat out in the sun for a long time, and then they had water slides on the boat, so that was cool. So I did a little bit of that, and uh, my, my skin paid the price. I, everything from pretty much the waist down and up outside of you know, my swim trunks got burnt, but uh, it's starting to turn a little brown, I suppose. But, uh, boy. So you yeah, went from got, snowball to tomato. Is that what <laughs> that I'm getting from this? Yeah. Uh, so we're we're glad you had fun, Tanner. You know, we're, we're, we're really excited to see you in, like, these upcoming weeks. This is, I think, what, next week will be our first time seeing you in, like, the three, four-month hiatus? Yep, that's correct. Moving day for me is going to be Saturday the 27th, and then I believe the 29th is the first day of classes, which is Monday, so yep. uh, you guys will see me on the 29th. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You know what else is perfect, Dan? You can get into it. The Bills. Yeah. The Bills are perfect. The Bills destroy everything in their way. The Bills are godlike in the preseason games. I... I- <laughs> I I mean, hopefully this transfers over the regular season. But, I mean, if you just watched Josh Allen, it was, like, the most perfect QB day I've ever seen. Three three passes, three completions, had the touchdown on the drive to Gabe Davis, which looks so nice. I, I get it, it's against the twos, but, you know, if you looked at the number ones on defense – I I think they needed to work the rust off. It was it was a good game to work the rust off, because that I I I mean here here's my opinion that the number one defense I get Von Miller wasn't out there, um, it looked bad. It didn't look like I thought it would. 
I mean, it's the you know it's the defense's first time out there against another offense in in a while. Yeah, but you know, we're talking the third case, teams though. Or second team. Second yeah, team. but I mean, you got to look at you know who they were playing. They you know they weren't going up against complete scrubs. I mean, again, at the end of the day, these are NFL players. It, it was your first team defense besides Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, um, Von Miller, Tim Settle wasn't out there. So you know you you really realistically don't have your whole first team defense. You're playing with two rookie corners, uh, and and Dane Jackson as well. Uh, you're you have Edmonds and Milano out there, which you know I thought they played well. Uh, you have some of your starting defensive line out there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, or I, I'm not. Did, did Daquan Jones play? Uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong on that. I but believe he did. Yeah, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, no Von Miller, but you had Rousseau out there for some stints. Uh, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson, who played phenomenal. Uh, but you know you gotta kind of just let it be as it is. They didn't give up a touchdown. They they let up a field goal on their first drive. I thought it was fine. Uh, you know that that pass that. Case or not Case Keenum, Josh Johnson completed to uh, Kendall Hilton over the middle of the field for a first down on third down was outstanding. You you really cannot script up better defense than the Bills had there. They basically dropped uh, all their defensive backs into coverage, kept the linebackers down inside the box, just was trying to you know get to the quarterback, but also you know cover cover good in the deep third. And Josh Johnson has made a heck of a throw over the middle, and Kendall Hilton. Caught it and took the hit from Jaquan Johnson and made it made a football play. He made a football play and that's what extended their drive. That is what extended the Denver Broncos drive on their first on their first possession. So you kind of have to give them credit there. I don't think the defense played bad. I don't think they played overly well, but right. you just kind of kind of take it at what it's worth. I mean, again, this defense was number one in the league last year. You had a guy like Von Miller. Once you get Tre'Davious White back, you get a, a healthy Poyer and a healthy Hyde. This defense is going to be unstoppable. They're going to be stopping teams a lot on third down, creating a lot of turnovers, getting to the quarterback. I wouldn't say, like, they played terrible. Obviously, was it great? No. But, you know, you just got to kind of take it what it's worth. Again, it is preseason. I thought the defense was, you know, okay. I didn't really like what I saw on that first drive. Um, You mentioned that throw. I think it was the Broncos' first third down of the game where uh, uh, Josh Johnson rifled it over the middle. I thought Jaquan Johnson could have played that maybe a little better. It seemed like you know, he was reading Josh Johnson's eyes. He just never made a break on the ball. I thought he could have broke on that a little bit quicker and maybe broken it up and picked it off. And, you know, there's a couple missed tackles on that first drive. But outside of that, I thought, you know, all things considered, the defense played pretty well because you mentioned, you know, we're missing Von Miller. And then you got two rookie cornerbacks out there with Kair Elam and Christian Benford. And then, you know, Dane Jackson out there as well. And there's they played well for the most part. There was, I remember Kair Elam had one penalty where he got a little bit grabby, and that's you know something that was a problem coming out of college for him, so that's something they're going to have to continue to work on. Dane Jackson, I remember, had a penalty, I think, early on in that game, which might have been a little wishy-washy, and then there was you know another play that was more of a penalty than the one they called. But outside of that, I think the defense played well. You mentioned Shaq Lawson. He had a heck of a game. Um, on that defensive line. I thought the defensive line did an okay job of trying to get pressure. And then, you know, when they weren't able to get pressure, they did a good job of, you know, getting their hands up in the passing lanes. We saw a couple batted balls. So, you know, certainly some things to work on, but I think there was more good than not out of the Bills' defense in that game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's a preseason game. Of course, there's going to be positives and negatives from each game because – 
ultimately they're going to have to cut this roster of 53 and just looking at it sometimes it's like how do they cut this guy how do they go and you know you think you can make like that guy can make a 53 roster on Jacksonville or Detroit but you won't be able to make it here because this team is so good now one of the players that I think is going to be on the chopping block this week for cuts um, because if uh, the people didn't already know at home, uh, both Tavon Austin and Matt Hawk got cut by the Bills today. I I feel like there's one more standing out to me, and that guy is Duke Johnson. Blackshear has had both preseason games have been really good for Blackshear. Singletary's looking good. Moss is looking good because he's your goal line guy. So hopefully he's getting in that end zone like he did. He got the two touchdowns. And then James Cook is going to be your third. But it looks like you're going to have a three-headed dragon in your backfield. Duke just doesn't fit in. I, I'm sorry to say. I, I mean, Duke, you're probably a great guy. You, you probably have a great personality in the locker room. But you're not going to be on this team much longer. And do I think that you could be in the cut down to 80? Yeah. I I mean, this, I, you got your tape for other teams. You had nine carries for 55 yards, two touchdowns. That's pretty much the tape. You're going to be going to other teams saying, hey, look at this. Look at this. What, what are your thoughts on Duke Johnson being cut? Or do you guys have any other players that could uh, stand out to you to be cut? Um, as of right now, I don't have a particular guy in mind that might get cut. But when you, before I get into Duke Johnson, you just gotta kind of look at this roster. Uh, before the Bills actually get down to the big cut down day, which is next week, August thirtieth, where they're gonna have to go from eighty to fifty three, they might have to move guys via trade block. They may have to do that because there's some upright guys on this roster who have trade value. I'm telling you right now, there's there's guys out. Um, there's 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 GMs and executives and personnel, uh, you know, guys that will look at this roster and they might throw a seventh round pick at a guy like Duke Johnson. I mean, it's very possible. So I think if you're the Buffalo Bills, you look at your current running back room, and you have obviously your your big three: Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, James Cook. Those three are locks. It's not even a dispute. They're all three locks for the roster for the final fifty three. There's no arguing that. Now you look at a guy in Raheem Blackshear who is an undrafted free agent and he has really turned a lot of heads. Now, do I think he should have been an undrafted free agent? No, I think he was very talented coming out of college and I thought he should have probably been drafted in the sixth or seventh round, but he's not. He was an undrafted free agent. So he had a lot uh, on, on his mind, you know, you know, going through the draft process and not getting drafted. And now he's a chip on his shoulder. And with that chip on his shoulder, he is playing the best football of his life right now. The last two preseason games, he has showed, hey, I'm an NFL running back, and I deserve to be on someone's 53-man roster. And it may be with the Buffalo Bills, and it may be with another team. We don't know. But I can tell you right now, Raheem Blackshear is not a guy you can comfortably put on your practice squad and just say, like, okay, he can sit there for you know, half the season. If we need to call him up, we can call him up. No, I, I honestly think that some team around the NFL – We'll give Raheem Blackshear a call and be like, hey, man, 
you know, we have this opportunity here. Come on, sign yeah. with us. And he'll sign. He won't even waste a second. He's going to get an NFL contract. So when you look at that, I think the Bills honestly could bring on four running backs onto this roster. And I, and I really think they could. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with the return spot. I do not know. But it, Raheem Blackshear is an interesting player that might be able to take that return spot. And if he can, you know, be a returner and also, you know, play special teams reps, you gotta you got to look at that. And then there's always that comfortable side. The Bills fans are like, oh, just, just get rid of uh, Taiwan Jones. No, you're not getting rid of Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones <laughs> is one of the, like, top three gunners in football. You're not getting rid of that guy. Uh, so, you know, he's on the roster. But, I mean, you kind of kind of knock a position out if you want to keep a guy like Raheem Blackshear on your 53-man roster. And I guess if you, you want to make the case for a cut or the case of throwing a guy in the practice squad, that'd be Matt Barkley. I think the Bills roll into the season with two quarterbacks on the roster, and they might throw Matt Barkley on the practice squad, and that, that might save a spot for maybe one of the running backs, maybe a receiver, tight end possibly. So that would be interesting to see there. But I think uh, I think Duke Johnson isn't going to make this roster, not because he's a bad football player, because the Bills are simply just too loaded at the running back position. And if the Bills straight up cut Duke Johnson, the dead cap leaving behind is just a little over $402,000, so it's nothing major. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what that is. I think Duke, Duke Johnson's a heck of a player, but I just don't think he fits what the Buffalo Bills currently have going on right now. I agree with that. Um, I've said, you know, in a couple episodes now, past episodes, that I think having Duke Johnson's skill set on the roster is a little redundant when you have, you know, James Cook, who figures to be, you know, your pass-catching back, which is what Duke Johnson primarily is. So just for that reason, I don't think he makes the roster. I mean, he had a good game. He had two touchdowns, but he's just be you know, surplus of requirement at this point. And I feel like it's always uh, it's always easy to find, you know, in the draft or even in, you know, undrafted free agency to find running back talent. I mean, it seems like every year you find these guys like Raheem Blackshear that are, you know, kind of fly under the radar. Maybe they're taking fifth, sixth, seventh round, or they end up being UDFAs that come out and perform very well. So, you know, I feel like it's, it's easy to find that late round, you know, diamond in the rough or undrafted diamond in the rough of the running back position more so than maybe any other position. So, um, you know, those guys like that are replaceable now. I mean, Raheem Black here, he, he had a great game, credit to him, but I feel like, you know, those guys are a dime a dozen. Like, he would be easy to replace. And that's, that's what really stings about, you know, the preseason, especially when you have a stacked roster like the Bills do. It's, I mean, some of these cuts, you're going to be cutting guys that could potentially contribute and if you want to try and throw these guys on your practice squad it's far from a guarantee that they're not going to get poached by you know some other team that needs their services more than we do so you know it's going to really sting once we get to the full cut down day and we have to trim it down to 53 because there's going to be guys that could be potential contributors on this roster that just aren't going to make it because you know we already have quality options ahead of them and we just don't need their services simply put but uh i don't think duke johnson makes the roster it would be nice if we could just stash raheem blacks here on the practice squad but like i said there's no guarantee that uh, he doesn't get poached by some other team but as of right now i think the running back room should just be singletary moss hook and taiwan jones obviously for special team purposes if anybody at home or in the car uh, wants to call in and give us your thoughts on the Bills cut situation, 
our cutting down situation, you can call us at 716-878-5104. 716-878-5104. Now, I want to continue talking about the guts because they were two pretty... I don't want to say, like, important, but they were notable cuts. They're players I, in past years that would have an impact on different Bills teams. I, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, you know, Hack, thank you for making the Bills punt uh, team look lousy for the past year. Um, you know, hopefully you go back to Miami and figure out uh, what the heck you're doing and maybe throw a touchdown to the kicker. Jason Sanders again, so you can be relevant again. Just uh, just an idea for you. Um, because punting ain't going to work for you anymore. And then, Tavon, you, you were here to teach. I, I really don't have anything much on Tavon Austin. He really caught the two passes yet, or, yet, or on Saturday just to be there. To be like, hey, I'm healthy. Look at me. I'm old, healthy, and I can still run. So, but uh, the main reason that I believe Austin was cut was Shakir. Shakir looks so. I I mean, he had a good day. He's had two good weeks. He, Phenomenal weeks, more than good. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean good's had, an understatement. I think. I think Dan, you're disrespecting Khalil Shakir saying geez, good. Sorry. Phenomenal. Sorry. Okay. Uh, and I even believe Hodgins. I mean, Hodgins had those three catches back to back. I mean, he wasn't out when Kumro was out first, which kind of su- surprised me. I was like, oh, wow, okay, they're giving Kumro. Um, they like Kumro more than Hodgins. But you could tell either Keenum or Barkley has that connection with Hodgins where it's like you can just go up and get that ball. I know you're going to be there. Just go up and get it. So I I believe those are the two reasons Austin was cut. Any thoughts from you two? Um, my quick thoughts on Tavon Austin. First of all, it was absolutely awesome to see Tavon Austin in a, Bill, in a Bills uniform. Um, you know, watching his college highlights as a kid, um, he was electrifying. But now seeing him in a Bills uniform was kind of a change of scene, scenery, uh, and it was pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of like a childhood memory brought to you know, my Bills fandom, which I thought was awesome. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, Tavon Austin had his moments here in Bills training camp and early on in the two preseason game or the one preseason game he participated in. Uh, but, you know, this receiving room, this receiving court is just loaded. And this room only has enough bodies for about six or seven on the roster. And sadly, Tavon Austin just wasn't one of those six or seven. I mean, you look down the depth chart, Shakir, Davis, Diggs, Hodgins, Crowder, that's five. Kumro, six. Like, where else are we going? Like, there's Isaiah McKenzie, seven. Like, seven receivers right there all have much more valuable cases of making the roster over a guy like um, Tavon Austin. That's no disrespect to Austin. Austin can probably be a receiver four to five to six on some current rosters in the league right now. But you just look at this Bills receiving core – I think it's more deep than it's ever been. Because when you look at this Bills receiving core over the past few seasons, they were really top-heavy. The Bills were really top-heavy in their receiving core. They, you know, you had you know Steph Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, um, Gabe Davis, and Cole Beasley. Like They were really top-heavy, and Isaiah McKenzie, I guess. But he 
really wasn't thrown into a role to thrive as a receiver. He wasn't there yet. He still had to develop his game. He just really wasn't that that natural receiver. He was still more of that gadget guy. But now, now you look at the Bills receiving core. You look at, you know, you got Steph Diggs, a true number one alpha, top five. Gabe Davis, an up-and-coming young receiver in the league. Kaloshik here, same thing. Um, Jamison Crowder, a proven veteran who's given the Bills a lot of struggles. Isaiah McKenzie, can he be a full-time slot? That's a guy who could be a full-time slot receiver potentially in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and then you look at Jake Kumaro. Now, is he going to make the roster? I don't know. But Jake Kumaro has high praises from two of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL in Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. And you also have to look at Isaiah Hodgins, who I know, Dan, you're a big Isaiah Hodgins supporter, and rightfully so. I, you know, I was not on his on his bandwagon before, but now you have a guy like Isaiah Hodgins, who has now for the first time in his young three year career been healthy. And he is showing why. Why he might have been a better prospect than Gabe Davis coming out of the twenty twenty draft. And how, you know, he was playing better than Gabe Davis in the 2020, uh, like, training camp, kind of. Those seven guys, phenomenal. I, I think all those guys are actual NFL players on the Buffalo Bills roster in 2022. So, again, the whole the whole Tavon Austin thing, it's fine. You know, I mean, you know, thank gosh we cut him now so he can go potentially find himself on another roster before the preseason's over. Uh, and then the whole Matt Hawk thing, I think uh, it was time, you know, to move tides, you know to move on with Matt Hawk. Definitely, he didn't have the brightest moments here for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, a lot of up-and-down moments. Uh, You know, he was a solid holder, but the punting just wasn't there, and the Bills needed to move on from that. And they trusted Matt Ariza enough to be a holder for Tyler Bass going forward, and he has done it rightfully so. I'm pretty sure Tyler Bass hasn't even missed a field goal. And you got Matt Ariza being the, the mainstay holder, and, you know, his punts will get better. I know Sean McDermott alluded in his press conference this morning that obviously Matt Ariza has a ways to go, but we like the path he's on. So that's what you got to take a gratitude. You know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Matt Ariza is still going to have bumps in the road. He might have a somewhat botched snap in the regular season. He might have a couple here nor there punts, but he's a rookie punter that the Bills invested a draft pick in, and they believe in him. So those few bumps he may have throughout the regular season, we're going to have to ride along with him. So, you know, that's what I kind of think about it overall. Um, you know, I'm glad we moved on from Matt Hawk because I think we need to turn the page in the chapter over to Matt Ariza and you just go with him into the sunset. He's the Buffalo Bills future punter, and I'm excited for it. Punt guy, let's go. I agree with that. Evan pretty much took all the words out of my mouth there. As far as Tavon Austin, I mean, that just goes to show how cutthroat the competition is in the receiver room when you have a guy – who I think could be a contributor on some NFL roster, whether it be, you know, as a return specialist or as a gadget player, when you have that guy getting cut and he's not even part of like the big wave of cuts, he's just to get down to 80. When that guy gets cut, that just goes to show, you know, how much talent that we have in the receiver room where a guy like that is expendable. And, you know, he really didn't flash in the preseason at all. He had two catches against Denver, really didn't do much of anything else. So, it makes sense. It's unfortunate to see, but best of luck, Tavon. Hopefully you catch on somewhere else. And for the punting battle, I feel like it was Matt Ariza's job to lose all along. And, you know, the only area where he had to prove himself was just as a holder because, you know, he didn't do any holding in college because he was a punter and kicker. So, um, and, you know, he's done a good job of that to this point. Now, that's not to say that he's going to, you know, every hold from here on out is going to be perfect. He's going to have, you know, trouble. But as of, and I'm sure there will be, 
you know, times where he muffed a hold or two. I mean, what punter hasn't done that? But uh, from what we've seen so far, you know, we haven't had any holding catastrophes. He's done a good job. Like Harrington mentioned, Tyler Bass has been essentially automatic with Ariza at his holder, and we know what he can do as a punter. He's got an absolute atomic bomb for a leg. So I feel like it was Ariza's job to lose, and uh, after seeing what we've seen, that made Hawk expendable. Hawk, you know, struggled mightily at times last year, so... I think it was the right decision. Although I will say I am still perplexed why our lone punt of the game, they sent Hawk out to do it. Like that is exactly the type of punt that you want to see Ariza make. We know that, you know, he's got the distance, but you want to see him get maybe, you know, a little more hang time and be able to, you know, place kicks down inside the 20, 10 yard line. So why they sent Hawk out there, I just don't understand, but it doesn't matter now. The job is solely Ariza's and I'm sure, well, actually, I'm not so sure because the Bills' offense has a uh, propensity for going games with without punting at all or punting one or two times. So I don't know if he'll get a lot of practice on those punts, but uh, we'll we'll just have to see because it's his job totally now. So uh, we'll just have to see, but I can't say I'm disappointed. Tanner, the only game that Matt Ariza might not play is against the New England Patriots. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm certain against that. He might not actually play against the New England Patriots. They're just going to basically say, like, they're going to look at their practice squad and let's say Raheem Blackshear is there and be like, hey, Raheem, you're on the roster, man. We're calling you up for this game because you we just simply need don't punt. need to punt the ball. Right. You know, just just going back to that the, the punter situation real quick. First of all, it was really weird that you know they throw Matt Hawk out there and then the next day they're just like, all right, see you, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, man, like, you're gone. You're gone. Um, but I thought it was funny. In Sean McDermott's press conference, he alluded to – that when he threw Matt Hawk out there to punt the ball on fourth down from midfield, there was a lot of players that were booing him. Like, wow, like why would you why would you do that? Like throw a rise out there. Uh but then there was one player that, you know, was cheering, like whatever, like clapping. And McDermott's like, Yeah, all those players on the bench that booed my decision, you're cut. So I don't know who those players are, but you know, they're off the roster. So we can, you know, dim this roster down from what? You know, 83, what is it now, 882 to, I don't know, 75? I know he was just joking, but I thought that was kind of funny. You know, usually I give a very loud presentation when um, we talk about Matt Hawk, and I didn't feel like I I did that. So I'm going to redo what I said earlier because I'm kind of ticked at myself that it wasn't louder. You know, I'm going to turn my mic down a little bit just so that I don't break your ears. You know, I'm a little... Come on, Double D. Get your head in the game, man. What are we doing? Matt Hawk, I want you to go to your couch, look at your phone, and look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you suck. I don't want you anywhere near this team. I don't want you kicking a ball. I don't want you touching one. You're off this team. I never want to see your face anymore. Goodbye. Okay, that was my rant. Thank you, everybody, for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Uh, man you had, yeah, you had a lot of energy into that one. I, I, I didn't feel like I did the job last when, when we Neither were first talking about it. You yeah, didn't I, do the job either. <laughs> rightfully so um 
I'm not throwing shade. That was just me, you know. I'm not throwing shade, Matt Hawk. If you know everyone, we're come just on the show. Our come yeah, we're just we the, you know, our... Matt Hawk. If you're listening to this and you want to come out on the show, you can make me retract all my statements. <laughs> ah, I mean that that's on the air now. Oh no, <laughs> I I'm gonna have to take it off. Post. No, no, that's still on air. I mean, if, no! <laughs> if Dave not from Ted's is listening or. Uh, you know, whoever else is calling, I mean. Whoever wants to call in, you can call in at 716-878-5104. 716-878-5104. And you can talk about the punter battle as well. And maybe yeah. why you thought Matt Hawk should have been on the roster instead of, uh, you know, good old punt god Matt Ariza. But I, I got to admit, uh, Ariza, after that, uh, everybody at the practices, every punt he does, it's just... Ooh, it, it, it's not like, you know, some normal 50-yard punt that any punter can make. It's like, wow, that guy's got a leg. When you look at Matt Arise's punt, it's like following a rainbow. It is. It, it's like following a rainbow. You're it's looking like at the It's like you're end getting of, to the pot of gold Yeah, at where's the, the pot of gold yeah. at the end? You're just looking at it like, wow, look at that thing go, and then it just stops. You're like, that was majestic. That right. was beautiful. That was some of the greatest scenery I've ever seen in my life, and that's what all the Bills fans saw last week at Highmark Stadium, you know, when Matt Ariza booted the absolute heck out of the ball for 82 yards for a touchback. So, I mean, Bills Mafia, we li- literally, literally get to watch majestic scenery every time Matt Ariza is going to be punting that ball. If he ever punts. Well, I mean, if he punts. If he punts. Well, he will punt just except not against New England. But, um... If he punts, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot of majestic scenery because that guy can just boot the heck out of the football. Um, I will say one of the things that uh, I know you guys talked about before we had to break was why did Hack take the last punt or really the, the only punt? Um, that was because I believe they had still the ongoing alternate system and Hack last week was the first one to go. So I think they were just following that system again, you know, give Hack the first one. They weren't really expecting, I think, only to do one punt. But I I think that this job clearly became Ariza when last week McDermott said, this week's Ariza holding the ball for Bass, next week is Hawk. Hawk didn't hold the ball this time. And it was like, something's up. There, he's gone, isn't he? And yeah, that that's what happened today. We're gonna take a quick break on the blitz, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Keep listening to ninety one point three FM for more blitz. When it rains for a punter, guys, it freaking pours. And today, what we're gonna watch is a torrential downfall on our poor friend Matt Hack here. Okay, so his first punt ends up being a shank okay but as you can see it's not very good it's not very far at all but people start screwing off the field there's actually a penalty that was called they get into a fight they get a re-kick it okay the coach was actually mad about this but on the next kick it happens again okay so it's another shank it's actually worse lands about like eight to nine yards closer to where he was originally and as you can see here watch as he's dropping it just a little coaching welcome back to the blitz on 91.3 fm wbmy and as we have mentioned, you can call in at 716-878-5104, and we actually do have a caller. It's Dave, not from Ted's again, but it's raining this time. 
How are you, Dave? I'm doing good, guys. I just wanted to say that I'm enjoying the show, very topical, and I just wanted to give my opinion about some of the cuts. Yeah, let's let's hear what you got, me, Dave. <laughs> okay, first of all, there's a little hot feeding going on here. I, I understand, and a lot of people may be the answer, but I haven't seen it yet. And the one thing that bothers me is that when the it goes live and the bullet starts flying, will he be able to get that ball off in time and not get blocked? Now, I know Hawk had some problems with that, at the, especially at the beginning of the season. He lost us the Pittsburgh game. Um, partially because of that. But, uh, you know, Hawk did look good in his limited appearances during the preseason. And i just like to say, I think that what McDermott did, uh, why Hawk was out there, I mean, he could be, Double D could be right. It was a, you know, exchange type thing that it was just Hawk's turn. But I think also they probably had a good idea Hawk was going to be cut and they wanted to give him one last shot to be on the tape. And I don't think really defending against the third string uh, special teams of Denver is going to really make a a big difference. So I had a feeling that that's why McDermott, I I congratulate the Bills on doing that, just like they let Tavon Austin and Matt Hawk go early uh, because this way they don't get caught in the whole backwash of all the cuts you know they're they're trying to highlight these guys and give them a chance to go somewhere else um so i I think you guys are being a little hard on hawk um that's that's all dan dan is dan is hard (laughs) on hawk i'm not dave dave i'm gonna agree with you on this i'm not as hard i I know we don't agree a lot dave but dan is the hardest on matt hawk here he he gives him the most the most um whatever you want to call it, just the most, the most hate. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've been on this punting battle, I think, all offseason. That's like the thing I've wanted to talk about most because that's, that's why I was interested by because that's like the only huge position battle on the team. But uh, can I see that they were just doing it so they could get tape 100%? It, it makes sense to me because – that's what they do with all their guys that they're going to cut usually. They always give them a last chance. They're always like, hey, usually we don't put you with the third teamers. Usually we wait a little bit until, like, the end of the fourth. But why don't you just go out there? And, you know, I believe that's what they did with Hawk. And maybe they wanted more point, uh, punts for the guy, but you, you can't be unhappy with an offense that just scores and scores and scores and scores and scores. I, I mean, New England fans have a, a good time knowing what it's like to be scored on many times. Oh, yeah, no, definitely, for sure. Like, <laughs> and, and, I mean, overall, I mean, you just got to look at this punting battle and just, I guess, you, you, you credit Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Like, they found their punter, and they were confident enough in the guy that they brought in that they he could beat out the veteran and he beat the veteran and this is kind of the passing of the torch moment I think that the Bills fan Bills fans saw a couple years ago with Tyler Bast and Steven Hauschka. Uh, at one point Steven Hauschka, very prominent kicker in the NFL, just didn't have it anymore. And I don't know if that's kind of with Matt Hawk. I don't want to compare Matt Hawk and Steven Hauschka because Hauschka was 
the reason why the Bills made the playoffs in 2017, and Hawk was one of the reasons why the Bills almost didn't make the playoffs in 2020, 2021. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, these are two guys who had starting jobs, and the rookies came in and beat them. And you just kind of have to credit the rookie in Matt Ariza and credit Brandon Bean and McDermott and, you know, Matthew Smiley, the uh, special teams coach, being confident enough in their guy and giving him opportunities and, you know, just backing him all the way through this 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 process and this battle because, you know, that is hard. It is hard for a, a rookie punter to come in with no holding experience, little to none. Uh, and you just got to, you know, give him credit overall. And I think you're right on that. I think... Actually, you could even extend it because with Tyler Bass, I remember Hoshko did get hurt the year before, and after he came back, he was never quite the same player. In fact, I don't. I, if he kicked for anybody after that, I'd be surprised if he did. It was very, very short. He was um, on Jacksonville for a very short time. He okay, he tried to go. come back, yeah, but he he, he couldn't it. do it. He he retired. I think two weeks in to it. But was he, even more significant is he had Bass, who was not the first kicker taken. He was taken after the guy that Bill Belichick took, you know, the great Bill Belichick. And that kicker I don't think is around anymore. Um, in fact, I know he's not. His folk is there. So then, and and here he gets Ariza, and Ariza was the third puncher taken. So give some kudos to, I agree with Evan on that, it's, it's a credit to the Bills scouting staff that they can find some good specialists. Um, of course, they have not had the chance to look for a long snapper yet, but I guess they're pretty happy with Reed. So hey, I mean Reed. Reed's been here for a long time. Like he's the longest tenured Bill is longest tenured Bill is right now. Why would you want to get rid of the long snapper? It was actually funny. Uh, there was a long snapper from Buff State that was actually at the rookie mini camp. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills, but he just never stuck around. I mean, you can't really replace Reed Ferguson. Like, he's been here for too long, and he's never done anything bad. So it's like, you know, he's he's here for the long haul. I think he's going to be here probably until 2040. Now, Tanner, Tanner, I, I, I got to hear your opinion on this. Is did, Are the stars aligning? What what the heck is happening? What Usually I'm here just listening to you argue and bicker. And for, like, the first time ever, I, Tanner, I believe you can agree with me with this. You're agreeing. What is this? This is supposed to be good content. Where is the argument? Dave, I think we, Where have, is to, it? Dave, I think we have to go out for lunch after this. We are just on the Well, same you got to go right for now. Ted's. Yeah, let's go to Ted. Dave, on me, we're going to Ted's. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I would like to just chime in on the, um, my pick for bills who were because I, am, I believe that one of them... I think most of them will come from the defense because one way came from the special teams, one from the offense. So I'm looking at maybe Kingsley Johnson. He's on the defensive line. Um, I think we got a lot of defensive linemen. A bunch of them are going to get cut. Um, and we just have so many. And, and, and we have the big names of the, you know, Rousseau's and the Settles and, you know, this guy got hurt. He hasn't really been able to show too much. I think there's another guy on the line. Um, Brewster, I think his name is. Um, I think he's a good – likely they could do two cuts there, just like they did two cornerback cuts in the first cut. Um, I think one of the cornerbacks may go, um, you know, like Ingram or, again, that the, the young guys look good. And I don't know if you really need um, – and he got McCla- 
crowd who's, you know, running around there with a laceration. Um, I just don't know if you need one of the, you know, one of those quarterbacks that you really haven't heard much about. They, they played okay, but I think you could get a cut there. It could be the offensive line, depending on how Spencer Brown plays. Oh, the other guy I could, I could see them cutting is, I believe his name is Miller, the guy who they signed. Oh, Jordan um, Miller, the, like the cornerback? Option, I'm sorry. Uh, Jordan Miller, the cornerback? Yeah, I, I could see them. You know, he came in late. He was kind of the veteran signing. No one really thought of it that way, but because he wasn't really that well-known, but I, he turned out to be, I think, the veteran signing they were talking about until Trey White is ready to go. And since Trey White is looking good and the young guys are playing well, I could see them cutting them, but they may hold off because they already cut two veterans. So I have a feeling they might go for one of the younger cornerbacks instead. Uh, so my, my guess is for the three cuts would be two from the defensive line, um, one from the cornerbacks, um, or I could also see the uh, receiver, Palou. Um, he hasn't really impressed me very much, and we have so many receivers that have impressed me more that I don't even see a spot for him on the practice squad. But, oh. you know, maybe maybe because he's young, they will keep him, but I could see him going. Um, I'd also like to know your guys' opinion on the tight end battle. I think there's a major tight end battle happening. Yes, Dawson Knox, he's number one. But is there going to – how many are we going to keep? Uh, two, three, one of the remaining guys. We've got OJ, we got uh, Sweeney, and we got um, Morris, who started with the number one. So I'd like to hear your guys' opinion on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. I really believe there's only going to be three. It's going to be Knox, Howard, Sweeney. Sweeney has been your – big blocking tight end this preseason and he's looked very well he hasn't caught much but he's done a good job blocking so I believe they're gonna work on a two tight end set with this offense uh, maybe trying to emulate some Rob Gronkowski Aaron Hernandez New England style play but you know you're gonna need that backup guy to come in in case oh Howard is gassed from a play you know and I it's hope not. Uh, you never know but, you know, he just needs a break. Sweeney, go in. And I bet they're going to try to rotate. They're going to try to rotate. That's what they do with everybody. Hey, you, this is this play. You're going in on this play. Okay, defensive line, you all shift out. New defensive line in. They love switching people in now. So I feel like Sweeney has now a role. Instead of being like that number two has to catch passes in case of Knox goes down like he did last season. You know, now Howard can take that role and be like, yeah, you can pass to me. I'm a bigger guy. I can, I know how to catch that ball. And Sweeney Dow just is, I can block. I know how to block. Blocking good. Yeah, uh, my take on the tight end battle, Dave. Uh, obviously, Dawson Knox is your guy. You know, he's your tight end one. He's going to be the guy that's going to be getting paid very soon. Uh, so I had my skepticals and, you know, you know my, my feelings about a guy in O.J. Howard. I mean, you bring in the guy. You're basically guaranteeing, guaranteeing him a little over $3 million. He didn't really, you know, move the needle much for me early on in training camp and throughout the first game of preseason. I wanted to see more from a guy in O.J. Howard because I think, well, I know he has the talent to be the tight end two on this team. I think it's there. It's, we, we've seen it throughout his 
you know, years in the NFL. It's obvious. But we just haven't seen it yet. But this game against the Denver Broncos, and I know, I know he played against second and third stringers, but you got to take it for what it's worth. He had three catches on, I believe, three targets for 16 yards and a score. He played well. He played well when his number was called, and he played well when, you know, he caught the ball. He had a nice touchdown. He had a nice catch in traffic, and he had a nice little dump catch too. He played well when his number was called. That's what you got to look at. And I think that is enough for me for the Buffalo Bills to feel comfortable enough with O.J. Howard as the tight end too in this offense. And between Tommy Sweeney and Quentin Morris, I think at least we're keeping all four of these guys, whether that's on the active roster or the training camp roster. I think they love they love Tommy Sweeney. They love Quentin Morris. I mean, you saw what they did with the, uh, them in the beginning of the game, Dave. You mentioned, you know, Quentin Morris was out there, and so, so was Tommy Sweeney. Those guys were the tight end one and the tight end two um, out in the game with, you know, Dawson Knox obviously not playing. So, I mean, you got to look at that, too, and I think there's, more, I think there's as of right now, there's more of a real battle for tight end three than there is for tight end two. I still think there's an open battle for the tight end two for, for some reason. There, there still could be one, but I, th- I think Howard has that in his back pocket. But between Sweeney and Morris, I think Morris is criminally, criminally underrated. I, I think he is a baller. I, th- I think uh, Quentin Morris has the athletic tools. I think he's more similar built to a guy like Dawson Knox, and I think he can play that sort of Dawson Knox role more than a guy like Tommy Sweeney. So that is something to take into account. And I know, Dan, you mentioned the whole blocking aspect, but they do have O.J. Howard blocking a little bit. And I'm not saying O.J. Howard is this overall great blocking tight end, but you also have to come into factor that the Bills are going to be looking to run more two tight end sets. That's obvious. Maybe three as well. You also have to take a look at Reggie Gilliam. Reggie Gilliam is a fullback slash tight end. Reggie Gilliam can be that third tight end on the line. He can block. He can run routes. He can catch the football. He's he's pretty good after the catch for a tight end. They they just extended him too, for on a two year contract. Reggie Gilliam's that Swiss Army knife. He can play in the backfield. He can play on the line. He can play the tight end position. He can play the fullback position. He can play on special teams. He can do it all. So you bring him on a back on a two year extension. You might as well utilize all those capabilities and the traits that a guy like Reggie Gilliam brings to the table. So you also have to take that into effect. Uh, so I, I honestly think like Sweeney and Morris might be the tight end 4-5. or five. I don't know. I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see what they do when it really, really comes down to uh, cut down day. But that's just my take on it. Uh, what about you, Tanner? Yeah, I would agree with that. Obviously, Dawson Knox, lock number one tight end. Um, O.J. Howard, I know he's gotten off to, you know, a slow start, and he hasn't really flashed, you know, in training camp or throughout the preseason up until, you know, this Denver game where he caught the touchdown. But O.J. is just one of those players where I'm intrigued by the idea of him because, you know, this is a guy, a six foot six tight end who is also, you know, very athletic. He has, you know, that potential to be a field stretcher and be a vertical threat and just be a matchup nightmare. But even though we haven't really seen it, he just – he's done that in the NFL before. Like this is a guy coming into a, his stint in Buffalo. That's got, you know, 1700 career receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. So he's been productive and just the idea of having him. And we know Ken Dorsey wants to, you know, run this multiple offense. He wants to throw multiple different looks at you, you know, whether it could be five wide or maybe two, three tight end personnel. So just having a guy like that, you know, an athlete like OJ Howard that can, you know, has that potential to be a matchup problem and can stretch the field and just be another playmaker. I think that enough, that enough is cause for him to be, you know, the second tight end and, and be safe 
on this roster. And then I think you keep Tommy Sweeney as well, and then that's it. Knox, or excuse me, Knox, Howard, Sweeney. Just because, you know, he's been around since 2019. He's gotten, you know, live in-game action for the Bills during the regular season. So just for that, I think he keeps Sweeney. Morris, I haven't been particularly impressed with. He hasn't really flashed for me. Um, I think he had two catches for 14 yards against Denver, and something that hasn't been brought up is he did have a holding call that took a uh, a Zach Moss rushing touchdown off the board. Now, they have to fill me in. I can't remember. We might have ended up scoring on that drive anyway, but that's never you know going to put you in favor with your coaching staff, is making your team have to make more plays just to get the same results. So, for that reason, I think you cut bait on Morris and just roll with Knox, Howard, and Sweeney. And, of course, as Harrington mentioned, you also got Reggie Gilliam, who can, you know, be that fullback, tight end, flex kind of player. So just don't think there's any need to keep Morris. Dave, do you have any other, like, topics you want to bring up? or are you... you know, I'm just going to leave it at this era of good feelings today. I'm giving uh, the, your cousin Kevin Adams, you know, another week or two to see if we have some changes, but if no changes are, I'll be calling maybe in a week or two, and then the pucks will hit the fan. But I think right now I'm going to just sign off. Thanks, guys, for your opinions. Great show. Have a good time. Bye. You too, Dave. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for calling in, Dave. And, Dave, I will be ready um, next week for when Kevin Adams does not sign the player that you want him to sign, and I'll be sitting here in this chair most likely hosting next week's show, or we'll see, you know, whoever's hosting next Whoever. week. And, you know, I'll just be waiting for you, Dave, and I'll see that phone ring, and I'll be like, that's the guy. Tanner, Tanner, this is how I feel. Oh, if it would start where I wanted it to. It was just like the Death Star? No. Hey, Will theme. Why do you feel like that? It, it just feels like enlightening to not... <laughs> Hear you two argue for once. It's so weird. <laughs> I know. Hey, well, they can't be at each other's throats at all times. You gotta have some, you know. You gotta have some common ground at least. I think that's a problem that we have, you know, in America today is just the inability to have rational discourse, no matter what it be about. Whether obviously politics comes to mind, but football, just anything. So just to be able to have to hear two people have a, a nice, lighthearted conversation about something they agree on, it's nice, and we could use a little more of that in our society. I definitely agree, Tanner. Uh, I believe we're going to take a break. We're going to take a quick little break to come back at the top of the hour. Uh, Keep listening to the Blitz on 91.3 FM, and thank you, everybody who's listening at home or in your car, wherever you are. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo Buffalo's original alternative since 1982 brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee and if you don't know at home the NFL does this list a really bad list called the NFL 100 or top 100 and it's voted on by the players and every Every week so far. So last week it started with 100 to 51. And then just on just yesterday they did 50 to, correct me if I'm wrong, 21. And three bills made the list at, in between 50 and 21. And it was Poyer, Hyde, and Diggs. Which is good to see them get recognition by the league. 
But this also starts to put a limit on how many bills are left. Uh, because in my mind, there's only one Bill player, Bills player left, and that's Allen. And oh, it, wait. Oh. What? I was going to say... Uh, What's up? I was going to say Gabe Davis. In, in, in the top 20? Yeah. No, okay, I know. <laughs> in, After this year, maybe. Right, yeah. You, you can make a case for next oh, year. I, I hope I can. But, um, I mean, do you guys see any other player making this list, this crappy list, um, you know, other than Josh Allen? In, in the top 20? In, in Top 20, top 10, whatever you want to um, use here. If if Tredavious White played the entire season last mm-hmm. year, I think he could have a case. Um, I don't know about top 20 for Trey White, but top, Trey White definitely would have been a, a candidate uh, around the Poyer and Hyde range, maybe a little closer to Diggs. Uh, but since he obviously only met, only played half the season, rightfully so, he's not going to be on it. Uh, but you're you're going to give it to uh, Josh Allen as the lone bill left. Uh, one bill that I thought might have cracked the list was Deion Dawkins. Um, I thought he might have been able to crack the list in the top 100. I thought, you know what, I thought Von Miller should have been a lot higher. I thought mm-hmm. Von Miller probably was going to be around the 60 range. I thought it was going to be a nice little stack of Von Miller, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. And then you were going to have a nice little gap, get to your stuff on digs, and then, you know, you're going to make Allen. I think Allen's a lock for top 10. I th- Honestly, mm-hmm. bold prediction, wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen got number one. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. And here's why. I mean, you look at the way the NFL is going. The way, the way the Bills are just prompt this year, they're Super Bowl favorites. They're the basically the most talked about team in the national media. The national media can't get enough about the Buffalo Bills. They are just, you know, any any point in time they can talk about the Bills and Josh Allen, they're like, bam, 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 because it, it, it's ratings. It creates ratings because the Bills, you know, this is the first time the Bills have been at this point in the last, you know, 20 years, Super Bowl favorites, right? And everyone loves Bills Mafia, but now you can kind of attach the tag of Super Bowl favorites, so if you give Josh Allen the number one player in the league, I think you give it over. I don't think he is, but you can give it to him over a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers because I don't think they're going to give it to Aaron Rodgers. You know, you know how the NFL media with Aaron Rodgers is. You know, they they're not the the biggest fans of you know the back. They'll give MVP. him top five. But they'll they they'll won't give him give his him respect. One. I don't think right. they're going to give it to Brady. It, it'd be weird. Brady if it will did. be top twenty. I, I, I think I, have I my... think Brady's like I think Brady will be. Around eight. I think he's going to get eight. I think Stafford will be better than him. Really? Interesting. I, I, I have that, yeah. You know what? They could also give it to Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. But I think with just the way the, the league's going, the way Allen played uh, in the playoffs, I think there's a real chance that Allen could get at least top three. And I think there's a chance he could get one. Tanner, what about you? Um, well, I mean, my build bias would say Josh Allen should be number one. But I think number one will probably be Aaron Donald. It's could be that way every year. I mean, he's the best defensive player in football, if not the best defensive player in the league outright. I think Allen will, should be at least top five. I mean, if you're going to make an argument for quarterbacks over him, I would say Mahomes and then Rodgers, and then that's really it. And But if we're just basing it on the postseason, I mean, Josh Allen should be number one without a shadow of a doubt. He had literally the perfect postseason. The only thing that stopped him was a bleeping coin toss. So if we were just basing it on that, then Josh should be number one clear cut. But uh, I think I think Mahomes and Rogers still have him at this point in time. But I think he should be 
no lower than top five. Now, there is one player that surprises me the most that's on this list. Lamar Jackson's at 36, and he barely played the year. So you're telling me that Trey White will not make this list, who's been a top ten, top five corner in this league for multiple years, but the guy who has a, a, a bigger name than Trey White, just because he's a QB slash running back, um, wow. is going to be... He's gonna make the list. That that's just crazy for me because he did he did nothing. He missed five games and then the fi- he missed nine games overall. Nine games. And you're telling me he deserves a spot. You're tell you're telling me he was good. You're telling me that his team was good enough to make the playoffs because they didn't. They didn't make the playoffs. I'm going on another rant and I don't care. I hate Lamar. I hope Lamar doesn't get a good contract. I hope he sticks out and he goes to some other team in the NFC and has worse luck there because the NFC needs somebody. You know, just give him a bone at this point. But why? I That's why I hate this list. That That is the main reason why. You give people more name credit over stat credit. And well, I feel like if this was more off stats, maybe it would be a bit more fair. And I know it would be hard to judge, you know, offensive tackle compared to QB because they, of course, they don't have the same stats. The, uh, I'll just jump in on this right away. The worst way to judge a player is by stats. That is like the 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 like least like credible way to judge a player is by stats. And you know, this list is made by players, executives, and etc. As a player, Lamar Jackson's top down. As as an individual football talent, you can't you can't deny. He is one of the most frustrating players to play against the NFL. You ask any linebacker, any defensive lineman, you just don't want to play against the guy. I mean, he he is a nightmare to tackle in the backfield. Uh, the things that he does with the football in his hands, running it or just extending plays, he's got a good enough arm. He's got a good enough arm. He's got great arm talent. Uh, overall, like just the way he can throw the football on you know certain arm angles, uh, he's a good enough thrower of the football where he just overall is a, a hard quarterback to deal with. I mean, before he got injured last year, he was averaging the most yards per game passing that he was in his career. I'm pretty sure with 240 a game, uh, he had the Ravens at a seven and two record, uh, first first seed in the AFC. By the way, he had a phenomenal stat line against the Colts uh, with a game posting. Uh, was it like 400 plus passing yards, uh, four touchdowns, zero picks, and 85 plus uh, completion percentage on the game? Lamar, like, I get it. He didn't play all the games, but this, again, this list is made by players, too. Uh, Lamar deserves it. Like, I don't think he should be 36, maybe crank it a little back. I get it, but I'm not like end all be all on the list because Lamar is 36, you know? Well, hold on, Evan. Can I ask you this? Because yep. you. you... Just made it clear, not a huge stats guy when it comes to judging players, but even by that metric of, or that perspective of, you know, just how difficult they are to face, like a Lamar Jackson would be for a player. Look at, like, Mac Jones over Von Miller. Are you telling me that teams are losing more sleep over playing against Mac Jones than they are against Von Miller? So even by that metric, there's some players yeah. you know, on this list that, and placements that just don't really make sense. So what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's terrible that Mac Jones is on the uh, on the, the top 100 list. Like, at the end of the day, like, if you're going to look at it from this, like, this point of view, like, Mac Jones was the quarterback of a team 
with not too much offensive firepower that got to the playoffs. I mean, like you just got to take a look at it like that. I don't think that is deserving of the number no, being in the top 100, but I mean, it is what it is. He, you know, he cracked the top 100 list at 85 ahead of a guy like Von Miller, who's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Realistically, he didn't have the worst statistical season, and like that's why I don't want to say like it's a good way to judge statistics because like who would you guys say is a better quarterback between Derek Carr and Mac Jones? Like you think there's a pretty sizable difference in who's a better quarterback? Derek Carr was way better. This yeah, year. way better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even Kirk Cousins. I mean, really, yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Yeah, yeah, Kirk look Cousins. At, look at Kirk Cousins. He was like 14 spots lower than Mac Jones, but he was better than Mac Jones last season in about every sense of the word. And sure, you know, he might have had better outside receivers than Mac Jones with Jefferson and Thielen, and even KJ Osborne had a couple good games for them. But I mean, he didn't have as good of an offensive line as the Patriots. He didn't have, you know, the second best defense in the NFL. So just that's that just what doesn't make sense to me about that list sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, the only thing I was saying, like, stats-wise, like, I mean, you look at base stats. Mac Jones, 67, you know, completion percentage. 3,800 yards passing, 22 passing touchdowns, 13 INTs. That isn't too bad of a year. You, and then you take a look at a guy like Derek Carr, slightly above more completion percentage in 68.4. Blows him out in yards with an, uh, just another thousand forty eight hundred, but he's got twenty three touchdowns, the fourteen interceptions. You look at those base stats, you're like, oh, Mac Jones might be on the level of Derek Carr. No, like it's it's not close. Like the things Derek Derek Carr is a far better leader. Derek Carr is a far better improviser. He's a more accurate quarterback. He has a better touch on throwing the football. He has a stronger arm. He dials up in bigger moments. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, So, like, that's why I don't want to look at, like, base stats and be like, well, realistically, Mac Jones should probably be a lot higher on the list because, you know, you look at a guy like Derek Carr, uh, and their stats are, quote-unquote, somewhat similar. But there's a real difference in the player. You get what I'm saying? But, like, that that's what it is overall. That's why I don't like, like comparing stats because they can compare stats and, like, well, you know, th- this quarterback has more passing yards than Lamar Jackson, more passing touchdowns. Well, yeah, I mean, Lamar isn't, like, a quote-unquote top passer in the game, you know? But yeah, that's just my take on it. I think Lamar's a little too high, but I think he should still be on the list. And it is name recognition, but when you do the things that he's done in the league, your name's going to carry you throughout throughout more lists and throughout certain things, you know, when you've just done that many things. I, I can see that. You know, maybe to fix this list, instead of doing, like, a collective over, like, top 100, maybe do, like, a top 10 from each position. Okay. Like, that that would make more yeah. sense to me because then guys who, you know, wouldn't normally make, like, the top 100 could maybe sneak in at, like, top 10 linebacker because I don't think we're going to see Edmonds or Milano on here, even though they probably deserve to be on here. I would say more Milano. Yeah, Milano I could see more than Edmonds. But I think Matt Milano is one of the most underrated players in football. I mean, since he entered the league, he's been one of the best coverage linebackers. I don't have the stats on me. I should have written those down somewhere. But I can, I can come back with the receipts on that. Milano has been one of the best coverage linebackers in football since joining the league. And, you know, he's also good against the run, good tackler. But yet it feels like nobody outside of Buffalo talks about that guy. He is criminally underrated. Have you guys ever seen those the, those TikToks where, you know, they go around asking people who are the most overrated, underrated, and if they could buy stock in one player's career for the rest of their career, who would it be? Yeah. Matt Milano would be my pick for the most underrated player in football. He is criminally underrated. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I just kind of wish this list was 
a little bit more open to all positions because I think sometimes QBs also get a little overrated than all the other positions because rightfully so, they are the ones leading the offense. But it doesn't mean that just because they're leading the offense, they're so much better than the offensive guards that block them or the tackles or the center. Mitch Morse, where the heck is Mitch Morse? Morse had a really good year in my opinion. I mean, yeah, maybe he's not like 50 or higher, but in the bottom half, he could have made it. Honestly, in my mind. Yeah. I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts about Trayvon Diggs being over his brother, Stefan? Criminal. I'm going to use Joe's word here. Fraudulent. It's fraudulent. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand Trayvon was maybe more exciting because he did get picks and he did make turnovers. So there's one way to look at it that it was more an excitement factor than a fear factor. But you look at the yards he gave up, he was the worst corner in giving up yards by far. By far. Horrible. I, I Diggs has been consistently a good wide receiver. He was the receiving leader last year, and now he's had a little dip, but it wasn't much. I It's just, I think, yeah, it's fraudulent. It, it's 100% fraudulent. Put him in jail. What about you, Tim? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been, you know, a top five receiver in the NFL ever since, you know, coming to Buffalo. And even before, you know, he got to Buffalo, he was a very talented receiver. He just, you know, never got the real target share to show that because obviously, you know, he was lining up alongside Adam Thielen. But Diggs, you know, has been a top five receiver ever since he got to Buffalo. And then, you know, for Trayvon, I just – I don't hate him as much as some other people do. Like, I think he's like a worse version of like Marcus Peters. Like he'll take some chances. He'll get burned sometimes, but then, you know, for every time he gets burned, he comes back and, you know, gets an interception. So I just think that's a a little bit ridiculous. We'll have to see, you know, what he does next year. If he comes out and tightens up in coverage, but is still able to get, you know, maybe like six, seven interceptions. And maybe there's a discussion to be had there, but uh, I think, you know, he's, Sure, the highs were high for Trayvon, but the lows were pretty low. I mean, no matter who you go by, whether it's PFF or Pro Football Reference, he gave up a lot of yards in coverage. Like, Pro Football Reference has him given up over, you know, 900 yards in coverage last year. So, no matter no matter how you slice it, he was not particularly good in that area. So, yeah, that was a little bit uh, of a robbery for, uh, for Stephon there. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're looking at the list in general, too, I mean, you got a guy like Quentin Nelson down at 28. I know he had kind of a down year, but I feel like 28 is a little low. Bobby Wagner at 29. I feel like that's just too high. I mean, he he's still a good linebacker, but he is. He did have a great way season. past his prime, yeah. man. I mean, there there's probably at least five or six linebackers I would I would take in a heartbeat over Wagner. Uh, Stafford at 27. Fine with it. Nothing, you know. You know, the guy won the Super Bowl. You can make an argument oh, to be Stafford a little higher. Oh, Stafford that low. Yeah, I missed that. I think he could be a little higher, uh, just because you know he won the Super Bowl and he had a good year throwing the football to Cooper Cup. Uh, Nick Bosa, twenty-five. I feel like that's low. I I feel like Nick Bosa. I feel like when you look at the top three edge rushers in football, it's undisputably edge rusher wise. T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa. I think all those guys should be in the top twenty, maybe even higher. I mean, there is a a a a Big gap from the top three and on. Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, 
are like all neck and neck and neck with each other. So they are all phenomenal. And, you know, Nick Bosa was, you know, fourth in the league in sacks with 15 and a half. Uh, just phenomenal. He was, I believe, the first or second highest double-teamed te- double player in football last year uh, on the edge, getting, like, double-teamed on something ridiculous, like 70% of his snaps. So <laughs> it was ridiculous. But, you know, he had a phenomenal season uh, in his third year in the league. But overall, I mean, Jamar Chase at 24, I think that's fair. I think Jamar is phenomenal. He is going to have a phenomenal career. George Kittle, 22. Uh, dealt with a little bit of injuries, but, I, I mean, you know, you can't deny George Kittle uh, is just very, went, very phenomenal. He when, went 28 spots up. He went 28 spots yeah, that, I mean, up. I mean, I mean, you don't want to have I don't him know. where he was. I, mean, I don't know. That's 50. Does he really deserve 22 still with playing in and out with injuries? I mean, probably no, I, he could I go he lower. I, I don't think this is, like... I mean, he still had a phenomenal year I would rather year. see, like, Kyle Pitts here. Pitts had a really good receiving year. No, I mean, dude, Pitts is not better than Kittle. No way you think Pitts is better than Kittle. Not at this moment. No, like, dude, Kittle... Not at this Kittle, moment. Kittle is the best yak tight end in the league, the best blocking tight end in the league, arguably the most versatile tight end in the league as of right now. And I know Kyle Pitts can do all the things uh, vertically and receiving, but he can't block like he can't block like Kittle. He's pr- I don't know if he's got better yak right now than Kittle. I, I don't think so. But Kittle is just a monster, man. He's the most aggressive tight end in my opinion. I think he's number two right behind Kelsey. Uh, some people have him ahead of Kelsey. You know, that's your opinion. And I'm not going to disagree with it because I think he is that good. I think with the lackluster quarterback play he's dealt with over his career, I think he did, I think it's fine to have him at 22. Now, let's, let's get back into the overall NFL, everything that's around in the news. I think the biggest thing today, Matt Rule came out and said, Hey, Baker, we trade for you. You're starting now. Good job. Like, Darnold, you you didn't have a chance. We just... But it's very weird to me that you announced this after a preseason game where you didn't start either of them. Or you didn't use either of them. Because I I really expected, if you're going to still have that QV battle, why wouldn't you play them? Why would you have Matt Corral come out with P.J. Walker and be like, go, go, you, you guys can throw the ball for once. I, I really would have liked to see the battle kind of go for a little bit longer. Because this this is deciding Matt Rule's career. Because if this doesn't work, bye-bye, you're off. You're next, next coach for Carolina. I mean, thoughts about Baker starting over Darnold? I think the fact that they didn't play either of them just means that they already had their mind made up and just wanted to you know, see what they had more down the depth chart. Obviously, you know, they spent a mid-round pick on Matt Corral, and, you know, you want to get him as much reps as possible just to see because Baker Mayfield's not exactly, you know, set in stone the answer for Carolina. You know, who's to say he doesn't come out and perform poorly, and then they're right back where they were, you know, last off season. you know, where that quarterback position is in limbo. So, you know, while you have the chance, just get the young guy that you spent a mid-round pick on, you know, as much – 
racks and as much nasty as possible to see what you have there because, like I said, Baker is not exactly, you know, it's not exactly a foregone conclusion that he's going to be Carolina's franchise quarterback moving forward. So I think that's why they elected not to play either Mayfield or Darnold, and I don't think they're going to play them in week three either. So they must have already had their mind made up and uh, decided Baker was the guy. You know, they've seen enough from that uh, preseason week one and throughout practice to, uh, to make that decision. Yeah, no, this is what's interesting now. Before I step into the, the whole Baker Mayfield, you know, being named the starter, um, Matt Carell actually suffered an injury. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, he suffered mm-hmm. an injury Friday night, and it was a significant one. Uh, he's going to miss a substantial amount of time. And Panthers head coach Matt Roll said Corral suffered a tear of the Lis France ligament in his left foot on Friday night. Uh, Roll said Corral and his family were discussing the medical experts now to determine the next steps in his recovery. But as of right now, uh, a guy like Matt Corral, who potentially could have been fighting for the starting job, is now not only going to not even be a backup for a while, but he, he won't even be seeing you know, the practice field at all, uh, which sucks because, you know, I think Matt Corral is, you know, a talented young quarterback, and I think he can do some things in the NFL if he's given the opportunity and he takes the right steps in his development. Uh, But when I look at the actual aspect of Baker Mayfield now becoming the official starter for the Carolina Panthers, and he will be taking on the Cleveland Browns week one, and they didn't schedule this game with the intention that Baker Mayfield was going to be there because they made the schedule before Baker was traded to Carolina. Oh, you don't know that. The NFL scripted. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, th- there is probably some skepticism that, I mean, there was reports that, you know, Carolina was in on a guy like Baker, so they probably made that game with the intention that Baker might be going over to Carolina. But, now I think this is awesome, man. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield. I, I am rooting for Baker Mayfield week one. The Bills play Thursday, so we can be able to watch this game. Uh I'm trying to remember if it's a 1 o'clock or not. I, I don't, don't know off the top of my head. But this is a significant game for Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. I hope Baker goes out and throws 400 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and just blows the water, you know, out of Cleveland, you know. Because uh, they're going to have no Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, being suspended for 11 games. This is all Baker Mayfield. This is Baker Mayfield's time to shine, improve, Everyone like, hey, you know, I'm that guy. You know, I I was supposed to be that guy in Cleveland, and you got rid of me. Now I'm here to show you what the, you know, heck is up. And Baker's going to, you know, do his thing with uh, another Cleveland Brown on the uh, Panthers roster and Rashard Higgins. So, you know, those guys in general are going to have their revenge game. So I, I'm I'm absolutely stoked for it, and I'm rooting for Mayfield. Now, here's what I'll say about the uh, – here's what I'll say about the whole – scheduling thing even though the trade hadn't happened before the schedule was made i feel like the nfl nothing like that ever happens on accident they know what they're doing when it comes to that stuff i mean you look at like you said they might have you know had that inkling that uh, baker might have been on his way to carolina and then you look at with the russell wilson uh the revenge game against seattle in week one and then how deshaun watson just so happens his first game that he comes out of suspension is going to be against the houston texans if, if the nfl is willing to leverage sexual assault to build hype around a regular season game, then they'll, they'll do anything. Any chance that they have to, you know, to create some kind of storyline like that around a regular season game to, you know, boost ratings or revenue or whatever the case they may be, they're going to do it. Nothing like that happens by accident. Anyways, continue. Yeah, no, I, 
I, I would really love to see just like some guy having uh, a back room, just like a closet to himself. And he's like writing down everything the owners have to do to make sure the season is like the most profitable that it's ever been. Like, you got to trade this guy here. You got to release this guy so then you get oh. signed here. Bill, news, news, news. This is just broke. The Buffalo Bills have traded guard Cody Ford to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for a fifth-round pick in 2023. Huh? Wow. Where? When? How? Just right now. Why? Chris Brown. Uh, this is on Twitter. Uh, Chris Brown. Obviously, everyone knows Chris Brown and One Bills Live. Uh, at Chris Brown Bills on Twitter to see the news. It will oh be God. basically everywhere. The Bills have traded guard Cody Ford to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for a fifth-round pick in 2023. Finally! Wow! News has broke during our show! Breaking news! This <laughs> oh is awesome! God. This is awesome! Uh, Everybody sound the alarm! Go, 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 go! Battle station! No, no, I just, um... What? Wow. I just, uh, I was just on Twitter, and I am just scrolling through my timeline, and there it is. And I just, I'm like, what? Eight <laughs> seconds. It was eight seconds. I'm like, yeah, the Bills move Cody Ford. And you know what? Let's smart. Take, do you want to take a quick break and just jump right into yeah, this? Yeah, we could just go straight into it. Okay, okay. we're going to take a quick break. Uh, keep listening for more breaking news on the Bills and Cody Ford situation. Uh, we'll be right back. Really well, right? You know, you got a guy like Bobby Hart who's very versatile. You know, he can play tackle and guard. Bobby Hart at points and times throughout camp is lined up at the guard position. Today, he was playing out at the tackle position. And him and Cody Ford both look good together on combo blocks getting to the second level. That's why a lot of the run game was working really well today for guys like Duke Johnson and Raheem Blackshear. So I think as much as we, you know, dog on a guy like Bobby Hart, you got to give him his props really well, right? That was our own having Evan Harrington on Buffalo Fanatics. Talking about if Bobby Hart would make the 53, and maybe it's a little bit of a possibility now. Uh, if you weren't here for, like, the past five minutes where we were freaking about news, uh, Cody Ford got traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a fifth-round pick, and that is so funny that you talked just a little bit ago saying, yeah, some of these guys are going to be on the trading block. Yeah. Yeah, That that's just perfect it was so perfect yeah uh no for sure and first of all i want to give a, a shout out you know to our guy nick over in the back he's uh he's a new guy who just walked into the station today wanting to learn a little bit about you know the wbny stuff and we just had him you know sit here and just for the show and nick i mean say hello man you are a good luck charm as the bill's got a fifth round pick for a many in many people's eyes a draft bust in cody ford yeah, man, I think they got an amazing chance this year. Uh, it's good to meet everybody. I'm Nikki B. Uh, yeah, I just came down to the radio station today because I uh, was curious about how everything operated here. Yeah. Nick is our now new good he's luck our, charm. He's our good luck charm. You are our he good luck charm. He is a beauty. Uh, yeah, overall, like uh, Tanner, what are your deep down thoughts on this trade and what it can impact uh, going forward with the Bills uh, training camp roster? Uh, well, uh, we'll go all the way back to 2019 when we selected Cody Ford 38th overall 
in the draft. I was so-so on the pick, not because I didn't like Cody Ford as a prospect. I liked him coming out of Oklahoma, but because I wanted the Bills to draft D.K. Metcalf right there. When we traded up to that pick, I thought it was going to be for Metcalf. I was jumping off the tables for the Bills to draft Metcalf. Now, obviously, it worked out because we ended up with Stephon Diggs and a stacked receiver core, but that was the guy I wanted. But, you know, I was meh on Cody Ford for that reason, like I said. I thought he was a good prospect, but he just never really developed into a fixture on this Bills offensive line. And that Jacksonville game, let me tell you, he is as big a reason of anyone why we lost that Jacksonville game. He was horrific in that game. But, you know, he's kind of, you know, underwhelming as the uh, the 38th overall pick in that draft for us. Like I said, just never amounted to anything. I think we can agree, all of us, that that was probably the biggest miss of the McBean era as far as drafting is concerned was taking Cody Ford you know, with that pick in the second round. I mean, you look at some of the offensive linemen that were taken immediately after him in the second round. You've got Dalton Reisner, who's, you know, been a very versatile and steady offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. Elton Jenkins, you know, Pro Bowl caliber player for the Green Bay Packers. Eric McCoy, the center for the New Orleans Saints. So that's uh, probably, like I said, was the biggest miss that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have had drafting for the Bills. But, you know, you got to give them credit. Despite that, you know, being able to just cut your losses because Cody Ford at best, you know, was a guy that was on the outside looking in as far as the Bills offensive line goes. And I believe his contract is set to expire at the end of this year. And he probably wasn't going to be a part of our long-term plans anyway, because, you know, we clearly have more high-priority free agents that we're going to have to take care of in the near future, whether it be, you know, Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, and something's got to give. So Cody Ford, just in every sense of the, the phrase was probably the odd man out. So, you know, obviously a 2023 fifth-round pick is a far cry from the 38th overall pick that we selected him with in the second round. But you still, I think, have to give Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean credit for being able to, you know, cut their losses and extract whatever value Cody Ford had just because, like I said, he was on the outside looking in, probably not going to be a part of our long-term plans anyway. So at least they were able to get some type of value out of him and you know while his career in buffalo didn't exactly you know go how we had hoped uh cody thank you for your time in buffalo and i wish you nothing but the best moving forward yeah 100 percent. i definitely agree with that uh evan even found an other clip on inside the nfl which i'm gonna play now uh but this is between kyler murray and cody ford after the bills arizona game which was the hail murray I just never felt like we was gonna lose. I ain't gonna cap. No, y'all, we was, we came like y'all was supposed to lose. No, we were not. No, we were not. No. Bro, we should have beat y'all. I ain't gonna lie. We kicked three field goals. Exactly. We should have been up. Y'all threw, y'all threw two interceptions. Y'all had, y'all had an interception. Let's be real. Who y'all think should have won the game? We should have won. Come on, baby. We should have won, baby. So, there, there's that little connection there in between each other that they've talked before, uh, you know, arguing if the Bills should have won. Of course, Cody, Cody Ford was in street clothes for that game. He wasn't even dressed. Um, but I, I got to admit, Bean, good job. You know, you, you got rid of a player who, in a lot of people's minds, like Evan and Tanner have said, is a draft bust, which I can definitely agree with. I mean, he was the last guy in that green room for a reason. He was that last guy. He was in the bathroom when his name got called. 
Like the dude didn't even know he got picked. He's like taking, <laughs> he's like Lamar running down to the bathroom during the game. But um, you know, yeah, I Tanner, I agree with you. You know, thank you for your time. Thank you for being a revolving door, um, for defensive linemen here. Uh, hopefully, you have that same luck with Arizona. Yeah, but... I will say though, it's kind of funny. The only thing that strikes me as kind of funny is the timing because Cody Ford played really good on Saturday. He was really good. The offensive line as a whole was good in that game, but particularly Cody Ford, like you mentioned, him and Bobby Hart might as well have stuck a brick wall out there. I mean, they were phenomenal. You look at some of these runs that no matter from Devin Singletary all the way down to Raheem Black here, I mean, they were getting, you know, six, seven, eight yards down the field before they were even being contacted. And, you know, part of that was due to the blocking of, you know, those guys in particular, Bobby Hart and Cody Ford. So the timing is a little bit funny given how, that Cody Ford played really well on Saturday. But I think still that's a move that needed to happen. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to go overall really quick again. I just want to say thank you, Cody Ford, for your, your services in Buffalo. Obviously, it didn't work out, uh, you know, having you, you know, being drafted as, you know, 30th overall pick, second round pick in 2019. didn't work out overall. But thank you for playing phenomenal in the Denver Broncos game the other day because Brandon Bean worked his magic and he got a fifth round pick for a guy who in many people's eyes could have just been straight up cut. And that just goes to show you how deep this Bills roster is. You can trade a guy like Cody Ford who probably wouldn't make the roster straight up and you got a fifth round pick for him. That just shows you the magic of what Brandon Bean can do uh, you know, in the trade department. But, you know, I just want to go back and say a big reason why the Bills didn't trade Bobby Hart over Cody Ford was the fact that Cody Ford had, first, a phenomenal game against the Broncos. Just getting to the second level, good combo blocks with, with uh, Bobby Hart. Ford was inside playing, playing guard. Uh, but, again, Cody Ford, phenomenal. Really good run-blocking performance. But the difference between a guy like Cody Ford and Bobby Hart is Bobby Hart can play multiple positions. Bobby Hart is much more versatile than a guy like Cody Ford. Bobby Hart can play tackle and guard at a solid enough level to make this Buffalo Bills roster, potentially. And Cody Ford now has played tackle and guard in the past. But he's really just a guard. But he's more of a guard. He plays more comfortable as a guard. He's in more of his own element. He just isn't there. And he did it well enough where the Arizona Cardinals front office sat back with one arm behind you know, his chair and said, all right, that guy right there, Cody Ford, he's worth a fifth-round pick. And we're like, huh? Our, our Cody Ford, not some random Cody Ford that is a phenomenal quarterback, receiver, whatever. No, no, yeah, Buffalo's Cody Ford, the one who couldn't really block for his first you know, three years in the league, but going into year four, Cody Ford found a little spot in the preseason, played solid enough through training camp where the Arizona Cardinals executives pulled the trigger on that trade, and rightfully so. I mean, they got their guy, we got our pick, and I'm I'm happy overall. I'm happy for Cody Ford. He has an actual chance now to do something on a different roster, and he's back with his uh, former quarterback in Kyler Murray. You know, hold on, Dan. I got to ask you something wow. here because. You're big Bobby Hart guy. Now, I'm being facetious. This is maybe your first time coming <laughs> into the show. Dan is yeah. far from a big Bobby Hart guy, mm-hmm. but seems like he might be on the bubble to, you know, make the roster. Are you prepared to, you know, walk back some of the things you might have said about Bobby Hart? If, you know, 
it, maybe it comes down to it. Maybe somebody gets injured. Hopefully not. Keep your fingers crossed. But if Bobby Hart gets live game action and actually plays well, are you prepared to uh, to, uh, to walk back some of the tough things you said about Bobby Hart? I think I could. Um, really, I, hope so. I I I think I give more credit to the new offensive line coach Aaron Cromer. Yes, Cromer has been the most impressive coach, like position coach, I think, this offseason. Um, because he has made the offensive line look way better than it has been in the past. Thank you, uh, Brian Dable, for taking whoever the past offensive line coach uh, with you to the Giants, where now you have your, all your troubles. Um, but Cromer, it, I, I believe that Cromer went to Bean or went to McDermott and said, he's just not going to cut it. He's just not fitting what I want. And they said, okay, we got that. We'll trade him or we'll cut him, which, whichever the two was at the time that they said. But to to get a fifth, I, I mean, the only bad part is that you traded up for this guy. You lost out on some draft capital. Um and now you only get back a fifth for a second. You know, that, that happens a lot in this league where a really high-drafted prospect goes later in their career for a really low pick. Um, but back on the topic of Bobby Hart, he's versatile. That's, that's uh, you know, if he fits in Cromer's system, I have no doubt in my mind he'll be fine. Um, you know, he's been on that bubble for the past year and now that he's actually looking good in the preseason games and maybe trying to try to make this team, I, I would be okay with him being on the team as a very far-down backup. <laughs> Can we just take a moment to appreciate the Bills' offensive line's performance on Saturday? We really didn't get the chance to early on in the show, but that was my biggest takeaway because that was something that was you know a topic of conversation among us on the show and among Bill's Mafia at large was should we be worried about you know this patchwork offensive line that we were working with in training camp but it didn't matter you know who was out there what personnel grouping they were phenomenal on Saturday particularly in the running game like I mentioned it didn't matter who was out there you know Devin Singletary or Raheem Black here and all the way down I mean on some of those runs like I said they were getting six seven eight yards down the field before you know, they were even getting contacted, and that's, you know, in credit to the offensive line. They were phenomenal in run blocking. They were pretty good in pass pro, too. I mean, Josh Allen didn't get breathed on, even, for the three pass attempts that he threw. And Case Keenum and Matt Barkley, you know, were kept upright enough for Keenum to only throw two incompletions and one for Barkley. So give credit to the Bills' offensive line. For the questions that, you know, we've had about them throughout training camp, they were absolutely phenomenal on Saturday. Now, do get give the, a bit of a grain of salt to that. I, I'm going to be that curb your enthusiasm guy because we're going up against the Broncos second string, you know, front seven at best. We'll see, you know, how I feel once we go up against the front seven that features, you know, Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines and Leonard Floyd and Bobby Wagner in week one. But all things considered, you have to love what you saw from the Bills offensive line on Saturday. I mean, how could you not? Now, Tanner, I did forget to touch back on you at this point, but you said, Ford was probably the worst pick by the McDermott Bean era so far. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't agree with that. I think Zay Jones no. was worse. No. I think Zay Zay Jones with the Bills was not good. 
And, and the only other player, even though he's really good, but the Bills missed out on was Wyatt Teller. They yeah, traded him away. That one's that, that one that's hurts. the one that stings the most. Um, mm-hmm. Ford is I I put Ford at the same level as Zay Jones. Zay Jones has done nothing in his career that has really made me excited for him. I, I mean, mean, you think his his year in 2018 with the Bills was bad? The he had 652 yards. Yeah. Um, seven touchdowns, like fifty-six receptions. The, the only thing those I rem- aren't bad numbers. The the only thing I remember from his time on the Bills, uh, because he's so unrememberable for this team, is the levitating, like going back up against the Chiefs when he like fell down in the end zone. Yeah, that that's the only thing I remember about his time on the Bills. Dude, that is crazy. He's going into <laughs> year six. He's that old now. <laughs> Jesus. He was drafted in twenty seventeen. Oh my god. He, um, I, it, it's, it, I mean, hey, you know what? Again, rightfully so, Zay Jones got his contract with the Jaguars. Yeah. Is he worth $10 million a year? No. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he ha- he's had a nice couple moments in preseason. So paired up with a year two Trevor Lawrence, I think he can do some damage, but, you know, time will tell. Now, I can somewhat agree with you there, Dan, because we did pass up on some good receivers to select Jones. You look at some of the guys that were taken after him, you've got, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, one pick before Deion Dawkins, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, so I can see that. But like oh. I said, with Cody Ford, we passed up on, you know, Dalton Reisner and Eric McCoy and Elton Jenkins, but I can see where you're coming from. I can give you that. Also, more breaking with, news? With, no, it's not like breaking oh, news, but okay, okay. The, the cap um, savings for the Bills. It's over at SpotTrack.com. Uh, uh, 920000 in dead cap hit, but $1.52 million in cap savings. So the Bills have saved about $3 million total in cap just today alone between the cuts of Matt Hawk and Tavon Austin and the trade following Cody Ford. So I think that is huge that Brandon Bean quietly saved $3 million, but it didn't feel like we did because these guys just didn't have, you know, that super, that, 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 that much value. Um, but you know, I thought I thought it was great overall that he moved Cody Ford, and again, hopefully Cody Ford uh, goes on to do uh, great things in Arizona. Um, and just for everybody who's at home or in their car, the Bills are down to eighty-one players. They need to cut one, cut or trade. Trade is now a very open possibility, as we've just seen. <laughs> um, one more to get down to eighty, and then uh, next week will be the huge cut of fifty-three. Uh, but that's going to do it for us on the West. I know it's a, a little early. It's 3.57. But, you know, we 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 got a pretty good episode in today, I got to think. Just the three of us, the core three, uh, back without Joe, wherever Joe is. Hi, Joe. You're you're somewhere. <laughs> um, but we're going to shout out stuff now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D, capital WBMY, Evan. Uh, you can find me at Twitter, Evan H seven one six. I gave my small uh, recap on the Cody Ford trade over there. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at Evan Harrington underscore sixty three, and on TikTok. If any of you guys have TikTok, at NFL Analyst NFL A N A L Y S T Tanner. On Twitter at TJ Saunders two zero zero zero, and on Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders two zero zero zero. 
gentlemen, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I cannot wait to see all of you in person next week. And for the listeners out there, can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Blitz this week. And um, we do have a little bit of a major announcement. Uh, Once school starts coming back up, uh, just like Tanner said, we are moving to three days a week, going to Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 2 to 4. From 2 to 4, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But thank you for listening to Blitz. Uh, You're listening to 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. See you next week.